Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, out in Grind Podcast Land. I am Dave McClung, and with me is the lovely, uh, beautifully quaffed this morning, uh, Chad Grigsby. You know what that means, Chad? Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, it doesn't sound good. I don't know what it is. It doesn't sound good. Chad is growing his hair out, uh, for those of you who can't see him right now. And so uh, it uh, he looks like a rock star. I'm not going to lie. He does. So uh, And he kind of is. You know, he's a musician. So uh, he's our ABSC rock star. How about that? We should start a traveling uh, band. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we we yeah, have a lot yeah. of talented people in the building, man. We could start a record. Label. I'm telling you, there's 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 some singers and musicians yeah. here, so yeah. Uh, yeah, we could do something. And uh, so anyway, hey, we are excited today to have our good buddy Jamie Naramore yes. with us. Say hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi. <laughs> hey, it's he, me. he thinks he's a funny guy too. <laughs> no, I'm not. As you just heard, he's not. Uh. <laughs> Not funny. I'm kidding. And uh, so Jamie uh, has been with ABSC now for a year? Right at one year. Right at one year. I was thinking it was coming close. And so uh, Jamie came on to help us think through, talk through, um, you know, do some work in the area of um, just engaging internationals here in the U.S. with uh, the hope and goal of uh, planning some churches uh, amongst some of our international people groups here in Arkansas. Uh, as you know, we all know, the, the world has come to us in many ways, and a lot of uh, international people, not just students, but people groups here in Arkansas, living, working, uh, neighbors. And so those those numbers are growing, and they're becoming much more recognizable. And so <clears throat> as, as we see greater influx of internationals into Arkansas, we want to try and find a way to connect the gospel with them and maybe see some churches planted uh, that would would be indicative of their culture and context that would make sense for them. And and so that's what Jamie's come on to do. And so we'll have that conversation today and kind of talk about engaging people cross-culturally, uh, you know, how to have evangelistic conversations, how to build relationships cross-culturally. Where do you do that? How do you do that? What are some tips, process, where to start, all that stuff. And so that's going to be kind of our topic today. And so, you know, you, Jamie, you got kind of a, an interesting start in this from college <laughs> uh, and how you know, really kind of started from a project, if I remember right. Yeah. And so kind of talk about your journey in engaging particularly um, um, Muslims mm-hmm. uh, in Little Rock that led to overseas yeah. journeymen to now. Yeah, so I kind of got duped into this uh, <laughs> on two levels. Uh Whenever I, whenever I first sensed a call to ministry, I was still in student ministry, and so I just naturally assumed that student ministry is where I was supposed to minister. And then uh, <clears throat> first day of college, a friend of mine, somehow through playing basketball together, made me promise to him if he ever got a ticket to Egypt that I would be on the plane with him. And uh, I feel like from that moment on, I kept uh, 
getting suckered into a series of dares, asking God <laughs> to do things in my life that just spiraled out of control. <laughs> Eventually, uh, I think it was junior year, Dr. Pemberton at Washita in her um, world religions class was assigning projects, and I had just gotten back from that trip to Egypt that I said I would never go on. Wow. And um, she said everyone was getting assigned religions kind of in a broad sense, and she assigned me Muslims, but then didn't stop there. She said Muslims and Litterog. And I didn't have a first clue of how to go about that. Wow. Um, but somehow I stumbled across a news story at the time. There was a group um, that was trying to develop a community. They would put in a school. The call of prayer would be broadcast publicly, all this kind of stuff. And so I tracked down uh, the leader of that mosque, had some interviews with them, started hanging out. And then just one thing led to the next. Uh, just really, I kind of I bit the bug and fell in love. In an odd way, fell in love with Muslims and just couldn't shake it. And so that led to some more overseas experience, uh, serving um, internationally for a few years. And then um, prior to that, actually, uh, had started hanging out at UALR uh, while I was still a senior in college. Um, Started hanging out at UALR like on the weekends or weeknights traveling up because I started befriending a lot of Saudi students, um, just kind of opened up my world again. And then when I got back from those couple years overseas after that, um, I was dating my now wife at the time, and she was at school in Nashville. And I'll never forget sitting down in a coffee shop uh, one day while she was in class. I sit down at the coffee shop, and I start having a conversation with a guy who was from the city that I had just returned from in North Africa. Wow. And I actually knew where his uncle's market was in a what? city of about <laughs> 7 million people. Goodness. <laughs> and so, uh, the world automatically just shrunk uh, before my <laughs> eyes. And wow. um, so, yeah, so from that moment on, just uh, the whole concept of uh, diaspora missions, people living outside of their homeland but retaining some cultural identity. Um, I just couldn't shake it and wanted to be a part of it. And yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That, uh, that's incredible. Well, and, and I know that has led to, you know, flavoring every ministry you've done since then, mm-hmm. whether in Texas <clears throat> or even student ministry yeah. you know, here in Arkansas, uh, which then ultimately led to <clears throat> you coming on board here at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Because mm-hmm. uh, as, as we began to, uh, you know, realize that, you know, our, uh, Little Rock particularly is a very multi-ethnic city, uh, growing more and more diverse. You know, every day, <clears throat> you know, trying to find a way to uh, connect the gospel with everyone who is here is, is essential. And so, so you've done a lot of research um, into people groups here in Arkansas, uh, pulling some numbers, people groups, all that stuff. Why don't you share some of that to kind of paint a picture of what it looks like here in Arkansas? Because you know, anytime you're engaging, you know, new things, you got to create some awareness. And mm-hmm. I just don't know if everybody understands how many people groups and how diverse Arkansas is becoming. So kind of paint that picture. Yeah. So kind of from a combination of some um, kind of more analytical data research uh, with the help of some different websites and organizations combined with some more on the ground field research. Uh, we right now have a running list of a hun- over 127 distinct people groups. Um, Some of those, I mean, they vary in sizes. Some of them are really small. Some of them are larger representatives, uh, representations. But 127 distinct people groups um, from all over the world. Uh, And then uh, of those, 
as you kind of work through the list, we've identified at least 68 that would somewhere be on the spectrum of either unreached or unengaged with the gospel. And so that's kind of what we're working with. And then to add on to that, uh, this past 2016-2017 school year, we're waiting on the data to come out for the this last school year, but uh, 6,455 international students in Arkansas on top of that from over 120 different nations, uh, which this has so many layers, it's super complex, but you take those 120 different nations, that could be a lot more than that people groups represented, right. you know, if you have multiple people groups from the same country. Right. Um, and then of those, well over 50% of those are from some of the most unreached places on the planet. Yeah. And so great gospel opportunity um, sitting right here in our backyard. So, What, what are some of the largest <laughs> groups in, in Arkansas? Since some of them are pretty small, what are some of the largest? Yeah, um, and a lot of people will probably notice this if they'll just kind of take a moment, pause, and look around. Um, obviously, people from China, uh, different Chinese groups, Vietnamese, Laotian, and then probably the South Asian Indian group, which has got so many different subgroups within that. But South Asian Indians, um, and among those in particular, um, Gujarati Indians, uh, those who are from a Hindi background, <clears throat> and then Punjabi, which could be either India or Pakistan. Um, but those are kind of some of the big groups that we're tracking. And then just a whole slew of, of Arabs um, from different countries and tribes and stuff. Quite a big group of uh, Marshallese up here in Northwest yeah. Arkansas as well. I don't know yeah. where they yeah. track on the largest groups in the state. It's, it's hard yeah. to pin down a number, but I've heard anywhere from five to 15,000, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so those, so those previous ones that I listed, those would, I, those come to mind first because those are the larger groups that have least gospel access among mm -hmm. them. Marshallese, uh, Karen or Karini, um, and then the Hmong, we have sizable numbers of those, like you yeah. said, uh, up in Northwest and North Central Arkansas. Uh, but what's cool about them is some of them come from long Christian mm. lineages, you yeah. know, not yeah. all of them, but right, some right, of them right. do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's exciting, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, so you talked about kind of this diaspora kind of missions define, define that for us, what you mean by that. And then I want to ask you a, a follow-up question about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the, the simplest terms, diaspora, would be uh, people that are living outside of their homeland, but they still retain some sort of cultural distinctive. So they're not assimilating as much to the place that they're finding themselves now, uh, but they're still retaining a lot of their culture and heritage, their religion and customs, things like that, but they're not in their home country, you know? Yeah. Uh, and for various reasons. They might be refugees. They might have, you know, immigrated for, you know— work or whatever but i've heard yeah. you use that term a couple of times lately mm -hmm. and i i feel like that's kind of what your heart is for and what you're kind of helping us as a state to you know of churches is to engage those people um mm -hmm. as a you've heard this before so i want to get your opinion because you hear people say if we could reach them here you know like the world's coming to us and so you know instead of going to some country where you have to live as a missionary and you got to learn the language and the culture why not just take the people that are here 
take the gospel to them as best we can here. And then, you know, they'll go back to their country and reach them. You've heard this conversation around that idea. How feasible, viable uh, is, is the word still out on that as a strategy? Kind of debrief that as a strategy to reach them here as an attempt to reach them there. Kind of talk through that a little bit. Yeah. I definitely think it's a it's a it is a both and um, okay. because the majority of the world's unreached and unengaged are outside of the United States. Right. And so I think the priority still needs to be sending people to those places. Yeah. Now, it might become a question of who do we send? You know, eventually, maybe it's not as many um, typical white, you know, Southern Baptist Americans being sent, but we're mobilizing, hopefully, some other groups in that process as well. But if God is bringing them here, then we have a responsibility to them as well. Uh, and there is some, depending on the groups, uh, you have the opportunity for some of them to go back, to be mobilized, to reach back into their own, um, you know, the, the more concentrated or dense populations that they come from. And so some of those groups that are still kind of in transition, especially international students, uh, because they're not going to stay here, most likely. Right. They're going to go back home. And so there's a great opportunity there when the world is sending you their best and their brightest to send them back equipped and mobilized mm. to reach their homeland. Um, you know, refugees, are they going to go back home? I, you know, time is, only time will tell. Mm. I guess that verge is still out. And some of this is still new enough for us that we haven't seen long term all of it play out you know um but i think so part of the reason my heart is for the diaspora is because the world is becoming increasingly more migratory and so people are just moving constantly there's more people on the move now than ever before um and so so to me it just makes sense you know and i think to a lot of others it just makes sense if you're having difficulty accessing a place access them where you can you know and a lot of times that's in uh, our country or another place in Europe or someplace like that where maybe it's a little more free to do so. Uh, so it's definitely a both and. I don't think you jettison one for the other completely. Mm. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going to say one of the struggles that I'm running into right now that I see is so many of our folks that are really good, they're well equipped at this type of ministry are folks that have been called overseas. <laughs> and so there's a really quick turnover rate. I was on the phone just the other day with a lady who started reaching some Vietnamese in her area, and she's already having to think, okay, in three months I need someone else to take my place in leading this because I'm going to be on the field. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so there's quick turnover among leadership in that regard. And so I don't want to say, don't go there because I need you here. Right. Uh, but I think it just prioritizes you need to pass this on to somebody else quickly um, because you're going to the place that God is sending you and where you're needed the most, you know. So. Well, and it should it should raise the, the sense of urgency, mm -hmm. particularly for students. Yeah. Uh, because they're not going to stay here nine times out of ten. They're mm -hmm. going back. And and we have, you know, a small window in which to connect with them. And, and I know through IFO, you know, um, um, conversation clubs going on on campuses across the state a lot of that is happening but there's just not enough workers in the field yeah <laughs> you yeah. know for those kind of things to really uh expand that impact if, if there's six thousand plus international students here on our campuses and so that's a lot of missionaries we could send yeah. back to their homelands yeah and uh 
And so that just takes a lot of work and a lot of relationship building you yeah. know, to do that. And I know that, you know, in the perfect world, you'd say all of them come to Jesus while they're here You're and right, are right. discipled and become church planners. But <laughs> the potential, you know, if, if, if three to 4,000 of them are from the 1040 window, you're mobilizing three to 4,000 people back to the 1040 window, yeah. you know? And uh, so I think that is the standard and the goal that we're well, shooting even, for. Even if all we do is change a perception mm-hmm. of who the church is, who Jesus is, and lead them to ask questions that, that maybe they've not been asking before uh, to plant some of those seeds, you know, I, I just, I'm just convinced God won't let that, remain empty yeah you know that something will happen there maybe they you know seeds are planted here questions arise here but nothing happens until they go back home and they realize okay um what i thought was not accurate yeah uh what i believed was not accurate now what do i do you know and then god has a way of sending people at those moments to to change lives like only he can yeah and so yeah but uh uh, and that's success. You yeah, know, that's moving people closer to Jesus. Yeah, uh, that we're not that we're far away. Yeah. Well, and I've heard so many conversations begin uh, around the state and even overseas with people where it says, "Hey, I've been listening to this radio broadcast at my house. You know, there's no missionary in my village or nearby, but somehow I've gotten this radio broadcast. Could you help me understand that better?" Yeah. So God's already speaking there. Or a young man recently with one of our planners. Uh, said, well, I've been reading a lot of Tim Keller lately. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, how perfect of an open door. You know, we didn't even plant that seed. That was just, you know, God's already speaking to so many of these folks yeah, uh, in different ways, planting seeds. And, and so we get to have the part of and the privilege of coming alongside and just offering some commentary a lot of times, you know. Um, so if you have a church in Arkansas that's interested in engaging people groups, what are some first steps for them just to take uh, to start engaging people groups in the state or, or around, around their community? Yeah, I think it, it definitely has to start with praying for them. And so hmm. um, that's even part of my story was I remember a pastor saying, have you ever asked God if he wants you to be involved in this? And I said, I kind of told him no. You know, I knew what I wanted to do. <laughs> And so they said, I dare you to ask God to make this a part of your life. And I said, okay, God. And I still have it written in my journal, you know, I dare you to call me to this. <laughs> I think uh, I learned my lesson quickly after that. But um, yeah. but I think if churches would start adopting a prayer strategy for the unreached, even if they don't know the unreached that are in their area, if they just make it an intentional focus of their life together as the church to pray for unreached people groups, I think they would be surprised at the doors that start opening. Um, And, you know, it might not be that specific people group shows up in your neighborhood, but maybe someone from that country and near culture, you know. Um, And so I think it it starts with prayer, whether you're praying for known groups in your area or just, just throw a dart on the map and start praying. You can go to the IMB, you can adopt people groups. But I think that does a couple things. It, it starts to get it before your church, you know, uh, starts filtering out people that have a passion and a heart for this. Um, and, it, and it starts opening your eyes to people around you. Because as you start to learn about them and pray for them, you start looking around to see, well, are they here? Are there anybody like them here? So I think it definitely starts um, with prayer. Um, and then from there, you know, like I said, you, you've done a couple things in that process. You've started to 
uh, filter out those folks that have a passion and a calling towards this. And so you start to mobilize them and give them freedom to pursue this ministry, um, whether that's through a conversation club or whatever avenue is there in your area to even start something new, um, if that's possible. Um, but then I think you start, when you open the eyes of people, you start this discovery process of finding more. And they are, they are out there. It's just some simple, um, some simple changes in your natural rhythm of life uh, that you start to see people all around you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, and it's kind of a snowball effect. It's like, once you, once you see one thing, you start to see two and three and four things, you know, and you start noticing different signs and all of a sudden you found four new restaurants that you want to go to <laughs> and you've identified the gas stations that you're going to, I mean, it's just like simple things, but you start discovering them. Um, and so you, so you pray, you mobilize and you start discovering people. I think those are three um, good places to start. Um, yeah. So, so where are the best places that, that you found to connect and build relationships and have conversations? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously restaurants, you know, is a big one, but you know, those can be a little busy yes. at times. Yeah. So you, 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 you gotta be mindful of that. Uh, don't bum rush the waiters and waitresses, you know, yeah. in those settings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of it's knowing your context, you know? And so, uh, if you're in a city like a Little Rock or a Fayetteville where there's a, a campus that has international students, um, there are usually conversation clubs. There's usually some sort of existing ministry that provides a good relationship-building, friendship-building avenue to get started. And a lot of times those start opening doors and create pathways into other networks of people. You know, yeah. so. Through this one guy from India, you start to meet three or four other guys from India. Now you're off the campus uh, building relationships. You're at cricket clubs or wherever it is. Um, And so if there's some sort of existing ministry, like a conversation club, um, here we have the International Friend Outreach. Um, There might be a refugee service that you can, uh, you know, I know up in Northwest Arkansas, you guys have Canopy. Uh, If you can plug into that, Basically, what you're doing is you're just getting your foot into some social networks, you know. Um, if you're in a smaller town, uh, that's where some of the restaurant, gas station, or you know, even hotels moving into some of the smaller towns, that's where they might have more success. They're building relationships because it's, it's just a slower pace of life, Yeah. you know. And so I was talking with a pastor the other day, and as far south as you can go, <laughs> you know, and uh, they had a food truck show up. Well, the food trucks aren't, you know, they're busy during lunch, but those guys are there all day. And so he's just intentional about scheduling his time to not go at the lunch rush. Mm. Right. He's going to go when they're cleaning up or when they're done and and just stick around. It's a slower paced life. They're used to chatting. Um, And so sometimes in the smaller towns, those types of avenues, those those places of engagement are maybe a little easier than a busier city, you know. Um, But a lot of it is just simple striking up conversations and making it kind of a routine to go back, you know, you you said something there. I want to, I want to hit on, uh, as, as you're doing this, you're going to these places when it's convenient for them, not when it's convenient for you. And so I I love that statement. He's reorganized his rhythms to be there when it's not busiest, where Mm -hmm. he can actually have conversations. So that means, you know, we may need to put our lunch off, you know, an hour or two, or, or something like that. And so, you know, this is about them and going to them, mm-hmm. not asking them to come to us and, yeah. and, you know, or make it easy on us. 
And so Jesus has sent us as the missionaries, yeah. not them. So uh, I want to hit that and make sure we get that because yeah. that's very important. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. And with a lot of the groups that are just struggling to make it, you know, if they're not wealthy, influential, um, they're working long, hard hours. And so that that creates a whole new challenge for engaging them because they don't, they're not going to have free time. You're not going to say, hey, come hang out with me after work because the first thing they want to do is hit the pillow. You right, know? right. Um, and so you have to be creative, um, selfless, you know, to a large degree. Buy something. Buy something, <laughs> yeah. And so I never go into a place... I never go into a place that is ethnic run and not buy something. Yeah. Even if it was, you know, Chad and I had lunch the other day. And it was like this orange, gooey funnel cake looking thing. It was awful. Um, but I just, I was like, I started a conversation in this yeah. grocery store. And I was like, I had to buy something, yeah. you know, and that was on the way out. Jamie, you know? Jamie yeah. took one bite and was like, nope. Nope. Um, Yeah, yeah, up here in Fayetteville at the U of A, they have the iFriend program, International Friend program, and we have an iFriend from uh, Rwanda. Sorry, lost the country for a minute there. Wanted to say Congo, but uh, from Rwanda that we built a relationship with, and that's been really great. I mean, we live... 40 minutes from campus, but we can still hang out with him and, uh, and do some stuff. They ask you to hang out once a month with, uh, with your eye friend and mm-hmm. they provide events even down there. Uh, you can yeah. do bowling and picnics and all sorts of stuff. So that's a really great way just to make some connections into a community of internationals. So I think there's things like that, Jamie, uh, whether it's a pro, you know, legitimate program, like through the U of A or UALR, uh, there's even those out there that you can just, you know, find out at your local university. And maybe if there's not one, you know, you could be involved start in one. starting yeah. one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or, or even starting an ESL, you mm-hmm. know, class or something, you know, oh, uh, yeah. there are a lot of different ways to draw people into having conversations mm-hmm. and building relationships. Yeah. And so there's churches that do like, they'll do, um, for some of these cultures, it's just the husband that's working. So they'll do ladies' events. They'll do ladies' teas, cooking classes, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of the, like, iFriend or IFO, those are great because a lot of those are kind of acting as the central hub for meeting their needs as well. And yeah. so you need furniture. You need help finding an apartment. You need yeah. a ride to the airport because you don't have a car yet. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're networked so well. Yeah. And so And we're seeing a couple of those pop up in some new places as well. Uh, besides like a Fayetteville or a Little Rock, there's some other churches that are starting some things to try to do the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you're sitting in a community and we don't have anything like that, what would it, what would we do to start something like that? Uh, you know, Jamie would be a great resource for you. Our collegiate ministry team would be mm-hmm. a great resource for you. Uh, Debbie Moore, uh, who's done a lot of work with Muslim ladies. Um, you know, there's several folks here at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention that can help. Uh, initiate, you know, start up for some things like that if you're interested, you know, in your church in your area, getting some things like that going. And uh, so there, there are resources available to help you begin some things like that. Yeah, J- Jane Airmore at absc.org. There you go. That's right. So yeah. flood his email inbox <laughs> yeah, with yeah, requests. It's, he needs something to do. I need something to spell do. Just, yeah. Spell just like it sounds, right? N-A-R-A. Jane look, Airmore, look, yeah. Look, here, here's the reality. All he's doing <laughs> is just traveling from one restaurant and coffee house to another. <laughs> Stop. 
shop throughout the day. Eating gooey, gooey orange funnel cake. Gooey orange funnel yeah, cake. Yeah, his, his freshman 15 has turned in freshman oh, that 50. that is so true. And uh, that is so, so true. Uh, <laughs> Well, because you ask a pastor, you know, they want to have this conversation. Where do you want to meet up? And they're like, the Indian buffet. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, I think there was one week I had it almost three days in a row with different guys. You yeah. Know? I'm like, oh, man, this is great for relationship building, but it's really bad. on the waistline. <laughs> It's killing so, my digestive system. Because so, you can't walk in there and just eat, you know, vegetarian. Stuff, so. <laughs> no. Uh, we no. have tried to make it simple, though, to house some of these things. And it, it's a work in progress, you know. Um, but if you go to absc.org slash people groups, um, there'll be contact information. There's even a link on there. Um, if people will click on that link, say they're driving through a town or they find something in their city, uh, they recognize a people group or they can actually log that information there and it will go on like a statewide database that'll kind of help us keep track of where we're finding different people. It sounds so funny where we're discovering people, you know, but, <laughs> but it does help us network to say, you know, hey, did you know that these folks are there? Are you doing anything yeah. to reach out to them? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I tell you, for me, you know, a lot of this conversation started when Nick Ripkin came and spoke mm-hmm. to our state convention uh, uh, folk, travel staff. You know, and he, he talked about meeting international. I think he was in West Memphis, Memphis staying at the time, and would just strike up a conversation with an international uh, in, in his area and, and, you know, ask him a few questions, you know, how long have you been here? How did mm-hmm. you get here? You know, has anybody, uh, in your, anybody from the West engaged you in a conversation? Uh, and then has anybody, you know, shared their faith with you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was like nine times out of 10, not ha- only have they not shared faith with any of them, they hadn't even had a conversation, you know, you know, said hello, you know, no sharing of meals, yeah. no, just not even a conversation. And uh, really kind of challenged me in that. You know, we've got internationals all around us. How many times have I said even hello? Yeah. <laughs> you know, to somebody. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great, the hello strategy, some people call it, is to learn how to say hello maybe in a few different languages. Yeah. You know, so not just to say hello, which is, which is good enough, but. If, if you start to notice some of these folks, try to learn just a simple greeting in their language, and you'll be amazed at how far that goes in breaking down a barrier yeah. between them because you just shocked them. They're in the United States, and they just heard their language coming out of, you know, oh, an American. Yeah. Buenos dias. Because they'll, they'll inevitably say, so do you speak that? And you're like, no, I don't. You know, not at all. I learned this phrase. But but welcome, you know. Like, yeah. I'm not mad that you're here. Like, I'm glad that you're here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my uh, friends that are learning English, they love the phrase, curiosity killed the cat. I don't know why. Uh, they just love it. But what I found is that curiosity actually creates conversation, really good conversation. Yeah. And so... That's part of the the privilege of diaspora missions is you don't have to be as much of an expert as you do if you're going to their culture. If you're yeah. going to their culture, there's so many other things that you need to learn. Now, we need to be uh, – someone put it well the other day. They said, I, if I want to offend with anything, I want to offend with the gospel. I don't want to offend with cultural faux pas and things like that. I right. want to offend them with the gospel. That's worth offending uh, with. But, um, but at the same time – there is some sense in which they're on our turf and that doesn't mean they have to respect everything and they should treat me a certain way, but we can be curious. We can make some mistakes. We can learn 
with them, you know, how to do things. And so some of the some of the offenses that we don't want to make overseas, we don't have to be so fearful of those things here because they kind of expect it, you know. (laughs) Um, And so that curiosity actually creates so many opportunities. You know, I'll never forget taking a group of 35 middle schoolers into a mosque during Ramadan and uh, they ran over the table because the table was a mat on the floor and they just bolt. They were so excited. They just bolted in. You know, and some people saw they just stepped all over my food, my clean eating space. And then other people saw they were really eager to mingle with us. They were really eager to learn and to interact. They weren't standing at the door afraid and scared. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so don't be so afraid. Do your best to learn things. But uh, but just be curious, too, you know, and ask lots of questions. Kind of just be a humble learner. Uh, I think that's how you create those conversations. And wherever you're meeting people, whatever the avenue is, just learn about them as much as you can. Yeah. You know, and those opportunities and those questions are going to lead as you follow up, you know. So so what are some, you know, speaking of that, because we don't want to, you know, if we can avoid some missteps, we want to avoid missteps. But, you know, even in, you know, just basic relationship building skills, I mean, curiosity, that's a that's a great tip. You just be curious. Ask Mm -hmm. them about them. Um, um, And, and, you know, in regards to evangelism, you know, because a lot I mean, ultimately, we want to be able to share our faith with people. What are some some things to be cautious of or maybe some, you know, as you're as you're moving toward a goal of sharing the gospel with somebody um, what are some things that will help that process? And maybe what are some things that would hurt that process? Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think, one, you want you want to start learning about whatever their religious beliefs are, their worldviews and cultural things. So that's where the asking questions, you know, before you start preaching things to them, yeah. try to discern where they stand on some things and, and let them explain to you what they believe. Because I think that is one thing is we we kind of blanket with assumptions, everybody from every group. Um, and a lot of times we don't want to, we don't want to introduce questions and things that they aren't necessarily having, Yeah, you know? So if I think of a, for example, a Muslim, you know, um, there's just going to be some starting points there that I need to be aware of. Uh, Trinity is a hot button issue, but a lot of times when they're speaking of the Trinity, when they are upset about the Trinity, a lot of times it's because they have been taught the Trinity is the Father and the Son and the Virgin Mary. Oh, wow. Know? And so they're not talking Father, Son, Spirit. Uh, they're, they have this this idea coming from some, some bad teaching somewhere in their history where uh, the Father and the Mother made the Son naturally and so how could you ever believe that and well i'd be the first to say i don't believe that at all you know (laughs) and so but it's helpful for me to understand before i just launch off into a conversation um, some of their assumptions or presuppositions and so you know if you start to notice people from a certain group religious block especially try to at least get like the basic understanding of what they believe and then start asking more personal questions have them explain to you what they're talking about. Listen you more know. than you Listen talk. Listen more than you talk, yeah. Um, because a lot of times they will start, you'll, you'll eventually kind of weed through everything and you'll find their real questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because 
you know, like with Jesus in, in Islam, they're taught to respect Jesus. He's a prophet. He's born of a virgin. He's sinless. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. There's so many like common ground things there that we can yeah. agree on. Uh, we want to focus on those. Yeah. You know, um, there, you know, we don't want to start arguments about the Quran. Uh, or about the prophet Muhammad. You know, we don't want to argue things that are so ingrained in their culture. On the flip side, then, you're dealing with Hindus who kind of have just this pantheon of gods and avatars and gurus, and you don't want Jesus to just quickly become a part of that, you know, system. And so you're focusing on One more God. Yeah, he's the only way. He's exclusive. He is better than, you know. And so you're going to focus on different aspects of your faith. And so that's where learning about them is going to be super helpful. But you don't have to necessarily – reading books obviously is good. But through asking questions, you start to learn individually where they are on certain things. Yeah. You know. Um, I was going to ask – Did that answer the question yeah. at all? No, I think it was really yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so for the cities that like um, – for instance, where we live uh, in, mm-hmm. in Centerton up near Bentonville, we have both – I know we have one mosque in Bentonville. We have a Hindu association in Bentonville. There might be others that I don't know about, but um, I know it may be different too, Muslim to Hindu, but uh, you know, I've thought about, I drive by that Hindu association every every time I leave the house. So, you know, once, once a day or (laughs) once every other day, uh, what are some first steps if you want to maybe go see, go visit a mosque or, go visit a Hindu temple. What are some of the, where do you start with that? If you want to go check it out, are there times you don't go? Are there times you should go? Should you call first? Should you, what are, what are the protocol if you want to go check it out? Yeah, I think it, there's a couple different ways. There's, there is just kind of the cold call. Uh, Some of these on their website, even might even have advertisements for like an open house, you know? Um, So here in Little Rock, um, they were, they're not doing it presently at this moment, but they were doing like a series of Fridays where they just had an open house. Um, so they would do their prayers and then you could afterwards stick around and learn. And the, the imam would teach and talk and show you around, kind of give you a tour. Um, and so some of them will have like a program in place. And so you can, if that's there, just go through that. I think having an insider invite you in is still the best option. So if you make a friend in one of these places, I think there's a few assumptions that we as Americans sometimes have that um, we can't invite ourselves into either their homes or their worship spaces and that we can't invite ourselves into spiritual conversations, you know. Um, And so just like most of them haven't been invited to our homes, how many of us have gone into their homes and for so many of them they come from cultures where that is an honor to welcome a guest yeah hospitality is big and so they're again curiosity you know like could i meet your family could i'd experience some of your culture you know Um, could i come with you would it even be possible if i came with you one friday or whatever the day is to to experience this festival or this worship gathering and i'll just you know what's the proper protocol have them as the insider give you the information you need Uh, you need to sit in the back and not participate well you don't need to participate but you know you need to sit in the back and just observe or you can sit next to me because that's how we do it you know um and so some of them are more formal they kind of have a program in place that you can jump in on Um, a lot of times these associations will do festivals throughout the year and so if you can kind of figure out 
proactively that calendar, you can go ahead and make plans. Those are great places not only to meet them, but even to start scheduling follow-up. You know, to meet someone, you can have the conversation, could I come back and just be, a, you know, just come observe and sit with you in on this, you know. Um, but, yeah, you can do that. And then I think, you know, if you don't know that person, that, again, is where prayer is huge. Like, mm-hmm. I think God wants us to reach these folks. And so if I drive by a mosque or a temple or something every day and I just say, God, would you give me an open door? Would you give me an open door? Would you give me an open door? I think eventually he's going to surprise you with an opportunity, you know. Um, I was going to say, but, too, just thinking about it on our end of like, all right, I see that place where I know things are happening, but there's people there who don't look like me, don't believe like me. All right, let, let's put it on the flip side then of them seeing <laughs> our houses of worship and our culture. Surely they've got some of the same human uh, things going on in their brain to say, yeah. well, I can't go and paid and just walk in there and whatever. So I think yeah. the onus is on us to break down that barrier for them to, like you said, yeah. invite yourself in. Because if we think that way, then surely, maybe they're thinking yeah. that way as yeah. well. Uh, so we've got to do what Dave said and be the missionary, you know, and cross yeah. those barriers. Uh, but maybe they would be interested or open to coming and checking out either church or our family or our home or whatever. So I love the idea of inviting yourself in. Kind of put your yeah. put yourself out there, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were joking about Jesus's strategies earlier, right, with the discipleship, and someone put it so well there. Like, Jesus never invited anyone over to his house. He always <laughs> yeah. said, "Let me come to your house." And yeah. so, like, he, yeah, he, you know, he just was always Zacchaeus, going, I'm going home yeah, with you today. Just, hey, can I come eat with you? You know, I want to knock on your door and come fellowship. You know, and uh, and so if we're gonna be Jesus to people, you know, is that too literal? I don't know. That's not my place, but. But I do see that strategy so often where even the disciples, Paul goes on for, you know, they are inviting themselves into people's homes and into their places, their spaces. And they're putting, like you said, Chad, they're putting the onus of discomfort on themselves. Yes. You know, they're they're doing exactly what Philippians 2 says. Well, and that's one of the things that Nick Ripken pointed out is that because so many of these countries have such a strong sense of hospitality, it is an honor uh, I remember Don Pusick had a, a Muslim neighbor uh, it was building a relationship with, and uh, they invited Don and his family over for dinner, and the owner of the house took pictures of the dinner to send back to his family. I think, I can't remember, Saudi Arabia or somewhere, and he said, my, my family will never believe that I had an American family in our house for dinner. Yeah. And he took pictures to show proof yeah. <laughs> that this happened. Yeah. And he was just, it, it just... I mean, instant friendship and and became lifelong friends, you know, at that point. And the best stories are those of, of people in Arkansas doing this here. And then when those friends go back to their home countries, the invite coming back that says, would you come and stay with me in my house in Japan? I mean, I've even had invitations to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You know, to would you come visit me in Saudi Arabia? Like, I no sending agency is going to openly be like, this is where I'm sending you. But right. My friend extends a personal invitation to come hang out. You know, um, that's just a whole different level. Yeah. And, um, and it is that mindset of going and not coming, you know, not that the coming is bad. Yeah. I think we've talked about that a lot where I don't want to discourage anyone from saying, Oh yeah, come with me to church. You know, I've had good friends that have had a lot of success with 
especially on holidays, you know, because they're soup. They are curious. What do you do for Easter? What do you do yeah. for Christmas? You know, um, but then on the flip side, um, just kind of the the creative and the the creativity and the wit to say, but what if what if I brought it to you? Yeah, you know. And so a young man the other day, you know, was asked, "Could I come experience church with you?" And he knew what he meant. Can I come to a worship service with mm-hmm. you? Because I want to see how you guys do this. And he's like, "That's great. You can come to the service with me if you want." But could I bring the church to you? Yeah. Could I? Could would you be interested in following Jesus through His Word in your home? And surprisingly, the guy said, sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, oh, that was easier than I thought. Not everyone's going to say that. But I appreciated the mindset of that individual to say, that's great. I'm not going to, um, I'm going to affirm your desire to see kind of how we do it culturally. But let me show you the nuts and bolts and the basics of what it is in your context. Yeah. Because what you're doing by inviting yourself in is you're modeling for them how they are to be missionaries as well. Yeah. How, how did the missionary come to me? He, he came into my culture, he came into my context, and he broke it down in that setting. And so when I'm going further into my culture, into my household and my friends, I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And let, let me say this. I, you know, one of my pet peeves in, in, evan- in evangelism is treating people like another notch in the belt. And at the end of the day, we've got to remember, hey, these are, these are folks Jesus loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, God created just like he did us and we're here to, to build the kind of relationships with them where the gospel is good news yeah. and not just a sales tactic and so we, we've got to be very people oriented rather than task oriented when engaging this or we can do more damage uh, than, than good mm-hmm. and uh, and so so as we're you know, obviously, we want to always move toward sharing the gospel and let, introducing them to Jesus, but we don't need to miss the relationship along the way. Yeah, uh, in all of that, and so uh, uh, just be mindful of that. You listen more than you talk is a great maxim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for these these conversations. Well, and really, was, any conversation. Yeah, any conversation. In particular. Well, there was a big study done by some agencies that specifically was talking about. Um, Muslims who had turned to Christ, you know, and I don't know if anything similar has been done with different religious groups, but Muslims turning to Christ, three common themes, and there was the big one, like there was a vision or a dream, yeah. a miracle. Um, there was one that was uh, reading scripture in their language was huge, but then the one that stuck out probably most common among all of them was a sincere friendship with the believer, yeah. and that was the, a sincere friendship. It wasn't a notch in the belt kind of thing. Yeah. They were because for them, it might take years and years and years of seeing it lived out before they ever commit to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's with anybody. Yeah. That sincere friendship thing is with anybody. And uh, there, there was an evangelism strategy that the SBC put together a while back called Friends Forever. And it was a friendship relationship, you know, building uh, tool to help us have proximity with lost people that then developed presence pulling from Brad Briscoe and Lance Ford's words. Uh, but, uh, uh, and it's so effective. I mean, you, cause you're, you're building relationships mm-hmm. that, that will last whether they respond to Jesus or not, but they're getting, they're getting access to a life well lived with Jesus that they wouldn't have otherwise mm-hmm. that they're not going to see on Sunday morning. You know, they're going to see it around the dinner table. They're going to see it at the store. They're going to see it when you go out to eat dinner, yeah. Uh, and you just can't recreate that in a in a 
worship gathering. And so, uh, so we got to keep that in mind as we, as we go. All right. We could, we're bumping up on an hour here. We could keep, there's yeah. other things we could talk no about. No doubt. Jamie is a deep well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I would say, sure enough, you have questions about this contact Jamie, yes. uh, you know, here at the ABSC. Uh, he's, you know, continually putting together some great resources. The, the engage map, the people groups info, uh, give that website again. They can go and find the people groups. Yeah, so these are, if you could just go to absc.org slash people groups and we'll house everything there. But we work with uh, peoplegroups.info, which is a collaborative effort of IMB and NAM yeah. to track points of interest and then people groups in the United States. Uh, we're, we have an engage map through the ABSC where we're trying to provide some emphasis to about 15 different groups across the state. So it's a little easier to, to look at. Um, and develop some prayer strategies. And then hopefully in the fall, kind of in conjunction with our uh, pastor's prayer conference, we'll have some focused prayer guides specifically on these groups as well. So. And then September, there's a people groups conference coming up. Yeah, it'll uh, be. Talk about that. Yeah, a bit. missions and church planning, putting on a, a, a conference, just a one day, simple, reproducible tools for evangelism and discipleship. And so uh, there will be a, a a stream of it that is directly related to reaching the unreached people groups that are here. Um, but simple reproducible ways that the goal is they could take those things back home. Yeah. And, so, and the date on that, uh, that's September 29th. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Saturday here right in the middle of football season here at, uh, <laughs> at the ABSC. ABSC. Building. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's not Arkansas, Alabama. Is yeah. it? No, it's not. We, we avoided that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, I think, yeah, I would go, it's too late in the game. We're already setting the schedule. That's right. So. That's right. That's a filtering process. Yeah. So September 29th, <laughs> put that on your calendar. Great way to to find out more information about this conversation, ways to engage, and a good first step as we move. And and if you're outside the state, you can go to absc.org slash people groups, and that'll take you to the, like, say you're in, you know, our buddy, if you're our buddy listening in Brooklyn, uh, Dan, Danny Torres, yeah. Danny can oh, go man. to that ABSC site and find yeah. peoplegroups.info and all that stuff, right, as well. Yeah. Yes. All right. So yeah. if you're listening there's a, outside. There's a growing, yeah. Yeah. And there's a growing network of people. We're, we follow their lead on a lot of things, you know, yeah. and so. Cool. Like in New York and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of work being done in Nashville. Uh -huh. I know Jamie's plugged into. I think you said North Carolina yeah. has a lot of great stuff going on. Tennessee, Texas, North Carolina, yeah. New York, Illinois. Those are some yeah. big places where stuff is happening. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of information, and there's a ton of books, you know, available reaching different people groups, you know, different religions. You know, a lot of great resources there. Uh, so uh, so there. Access, there is access to, to tools and tips and help. Speaking of books, yes, it's a great segue into Rapid Fire with Jamie Nearmore. Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. Rapid, Rapid Fire. Fire with Jay Nearmore at absc.org. That's right. So, Jamie, what are the top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? Oh, man. Um, uh the Resurrection of the Son of God by N.T. Wright. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's my nerd level one. <laughs> that's a hefty uh, tone. It is. Yeah, but I love it. I've read it a few times in yeah. the footnotes. Uh, Cultivating a Life for God, Neil Cole. Yeah. And then Neil uh, Cole. Hey, I started an LTG yeah? Friday. Yes. Me and two guys. There you my go. My first one. What? Yep. 
Started Friday. Wow, We're reading awesome. Romans. That's great. I didn't finish. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how it goes. I had a group going. We were doing, uh, we got to Isaiah, and three weeks in a row, I was the one that held us back. Yeah. I was the one that was supposed to be leading it. I was like, golly, I'm a failure. <laughs> but that's what Neil said. That's, yeah, don't finish. It was well, good you know for Neil, sanctification. Yeah, he's, yeah, don't finish. Yeah, you need to read it yeah. multiple times. That's, that's the it way it is. It wasn't purposeful, but yeah, I just can never finish. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, and then a horse and his boy. That's probably uh, my third favorite book of all time. So, C.S. Lewis. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, biggest strength in ministry. Biggest weakness. Challenge. Um, intentionality. I think it goes both ways. And I think, ironically, I called this out in somebody else the other day on their strength and weakness. But I think sometimes I can be so intentional which is obviously a good thing to be intentional, strategic, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it makes me indecisive yeah. or hesitant. And so, um, yeah. All right. I see that. A hobby, pastime. Uh, basketball. Yeah. Basketball and then um, pool noodle lightsaber fights with my son. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a very noble endeavor. Yes, yes. Very noble. It is. Uh, so are you Darth Vader and he's Luke Skywalker? Or no, what? he loves Darth Vader. I'm trying to get him out of the dark side. He <laughs> thinks all the dark side characters, they, they just look better. And so, but he loves the dark side. So you're raising an evil overlord. Yeah. Yes. Typically, he, he calls it the lava fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. That's like his favorite scene. Of, does, of he know, does he remember that Anakin loses most of his limbs in that uh... Yeah, no, and he reenacts that too. Like right next to our fireplace is the lava pit, and so he falls in. A, so he'll wail on me for a good thirty minutes, and then he's like, "All right, Dad, now it's to your time to win." But then he gets to transform into Darth Vader, which he loves. Got to, got to stay true to the narrative, right? Yeah, that's right. My that's wife hates this. I bet man, she does. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I live vicariously, shamelessly through my children. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, favorite movie? Well, then Star Wars is definitely there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Rudy. Oh, that's a good one. Star Wars and Rudy. Okay. My wife cries every time yeah. we watch Rudy. Yeah, she me does. too. I do yeah. too. That was my dream to be the next Rudy. And yeah. Happen. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's All right. Great. Favorite band or musician? Oh, you guys are this gonna, is a litmus test for I, friendship with I me. I know. I've heard you guys do this so many times. And yeah. so Dave is about to defriend me real quickly. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Dave and I are not music friends either. No, no we're that's, not. That's good. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love Coldplay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. Shut up, Dave. Let it talk. I know. I love Coldplay, <laughs> but... If you open Spotify or iTunes or anything like that, Taylor I Swift. guarantee something, something, no, yeah, no, uh, something from Hillsong will be on most likely. That's okay. It's like, I can't get out of it. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. hey, listen, come, come be with me in the mainstream, Jamie. It's there okay. You go. Yeah. Dave, I'm okay with that. Dave on the fringes. Don't, he's an oddball. He's the exception, not the rule. We well, are the rule, my the friend. Other, the other day, you guys interviewed somebody. Um, I forget who it was, and uh, they said Sigaros, and I was like, "Oh, I'm yeah. listening to Sigaros right now." Yeah, yeah. Does that make me cool? But then I was like, "But no, that was like a, a random thing that I hit play on that." So <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but hey, uh, I, I seek out. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Spotify fan because I just don't want to pay ten bucks, you know, for music I don't owe own you know a month and so but i do love their playlists that people create yeah. so i found this progressive metal playlist <laughs> and i learned of three new bands 
this th- dude i'm telling you there's this icelandic <laughs> band called aristadir i don't even know if i'm pronouncing that correctly <laughs> it was the coolest music i instantly downloaded the cd because i yeah. thought i've got it's it's i mean it's it's not it's not he- it's not heavy real heavy music mm-hmm. It was just fascinating listen, music. I thought this listen, is a different sound Dave, of band. We, listen, we'll it. take your yeah. word for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And before yeah. we lose any more listeners, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I learned three new bands That's this right. last week. We'll I did not one. know. You'll get the next two. Yeah. On the next I downloaded podcast. three new albums <laughs> from bands that I had not heard until just last week, well, and it was just a great. It's a great day. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, I love it. All right. <laughs> Oh, and there's this other new band. No, I'm kidding. All right. Hey, I'll just talk to Alan Hirsch. Alan, hey, buddy. There you you go. and I, yeah. uh, he'll listen to my musical uh, rantings. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's about the only one. That's, and, that's uh, right. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Hey, y'all don't forget, September 29th here at uh, – 10 Remington Drive, ABSC. And that's on the website uh, too, I'm sure, right, Jamie? If it's not yet, it will be this week. So Yeah, yeah. and there'll be a place to sign up and register for that. Uh, great, great info, great first step in engaging. Uh, ABSC.org slash people groups. Uh, check that out. Jay Naramore at ABSC.org. <laughs> said that about 18 times. You're going to get flooded with emails now. Uh, from Chad and I. You're welcome. And, uh, and so I uh, hope you've enjoyed this conversation. There's much more that we could talk about. We'll, we'll reserve the right to bring you back at a later date on your two-year anniversary. There you go, yeah. Uh, what have you learned in the last two years, Jamie? And so uh, <laughs> as we uh, try to figure out how to plant some new churches uh, with some folks that have, have come to us, and, and we want to we wanna bring the good news of Jesus to them. So uh, be praying about these people groups. Uh, it's a great first step. Do that across the state. Pray for us as we try and find ways to engage and help our churches engage. And so uh, going to be, be some cool stuff to come out of this. All right, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on The Grind. Keep grinding.